Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade with those working in it. I'm the morning advertisers, Ed Beddington, and with me, as ever, are my trusty sidekicks, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. I say trusty, I'm not sure that's accurate. Uh, it's untrusty a word? It is now, Edward. It is, it is now. now. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, Heath is a man of stature within the, in- in- within the industry. Thanks, Heath. Sorry. Shall I start that one again? That was his lawyer. That's right. <laughs> that was Joe Rogan. I might just leave that in. That's, uh, there we go. It's his, uh, it's his lawyer. Uh, anyway, Heath is a man of stature within the industry, a giant of a figure. Less so in reality, to the extent that on the recent trip to the theatre, his six-year-old daughter had to ask if the booster seat was for her or him. <laughs> I love that. It's true. That is actually true, isn't it? I mean, that was brilliant. Uh, James, on the other hand, is a giant of a figure. How's that diet going? <laughs> oh, Ed. I'm big bones and a very slow metabolism. It's really not my fault. I know, pot, kettle, all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, gents, thanks for joining me. Uh, this week's episode is going to be looking at the thorny topic of staff. Of staff. That was uh, highly appropriate that they dropped those glasses behind me at that moment. Both recruiting and retaining. I'm not sure who they'll be retained from that, but we'll see. And we've got some great guests joining us later on to tackle some of those topics. With Dan Rosavi from Leisure Jobs to give us an idea on the current recruitment challenge. Mark McCulloch to give us an update on hospitality rising. The campaign to reposition the image of the sector. And we're actually recording this in the Guinea Grill, so we'll have... uh, Osh Rogers from the Guinea Grill to chat about retention of staff or whether he's just sacked the people that threw those glasses everywhere. We'll see. Uh, but before all that, let's have a chat about the week's events. So, guys, uh, new variant? Just what, we were, just what we were hoping for before Christmas. Oh, I thought so, yeah. 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 That's not what I asked for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to know why they've named it after the uh, evil organisation from Robocop. Is it what it is? I don't know the fact that you even know that is. Yeah, you can tell you've got a young kid. Yeah. No action in your place. <laughs> Old green runs of the HF. I love it. I love it. So what, what do we think then? I mean, we've seen uh, masks back in retail uh, and uh, on trains, uh, but not till Tuesday. And, and uh, because yeah, and secondary schools, schools yes, yeah. But, we, but we're going to wait a few days before yeah, we yeah, bring that in because right. even Sunday, though it's really fastly spreading, we can't possibly do anything until Tuesday. So. But it's slowly, slowly. It'll just be slow restrictions all the way through. And then we'll get to the 17th. When's the next announcement? And I go, it's not working. Sorry, guys. Christmas has been cancelled again. I mean, you are always a half-glass-full person, aren't you, Heath? It's, uh, you're renowned for your... I'm just being honest. I think, I think Optimism. It's a, it's a joke. They obviously know something we don't know. What, because we've got like six cases in Scotland, four cases in London, in the UK, sorry, in England, so it's ten. It's arse covering, right? I mean, it's arse covering in the highest degree, and they've just gone in early to say we've gone in early. Mm. But they clearly know more than, than that. It seems like, given the lack of action in the past, um, on borders, etc., mm. to be so bold this time, I don't, I don't think we give them the credit to think they've learned anything. Yeah. Do you see how many planes came back from South Africa before the shutdown? No, go on. They put on extra aircraft to bring more people back. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> but, it was gonna, but, you can, but they can't bring the quarantine in until next Thursday, so it's all fine. It's it's like we know you can't pull your borders up now. Just doesn't it just doesn't work? Tell that to Pretty Patel. Well, <laughs> there's another story. The whole world of hurt there. But um, it is arse covering. They've gone early. They've made a big flash statement, but really. It's going to come. It's going to hit. We just see how hard. And it, and again, what they're doing is what they always do, which is tell us 
break it just slowly, break it just slowly until we're inevitable. We're always trying to make a say thanks from the hospitality sector to say, oh, yeah, thanks for not letting people wear masks. But, you know, it'll come. It'll come to us. I mean, do, do you think it's going to... You think that we're... we're I mean, the, the ultimate, somebody yeah. was saying earlier, you know, we, we sat down, you're eating, you're drinking. I mean, masks, it's a, it's a joke, really, isn't it? Mm. But I also think there's some disquiet with the public now. I was on the train today coming up, and it was a real half and half, mm. whereas I think there's probably a bit more than before. Mm. But still, you know, I, I think there's people who just have enough of being told what to do. Well, it's an infringement of my human rights having to wear a mask on a train, is that what you're saying? Mm. No, I just think people have had enough of COVID. They really, they've double-jabbed. There's a, a feeling of security, and let's get on with it. But there's more to this, isn't there, I think, without being too kind of conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm being conspiracy theory, but it must be. Why are we sitting underneath the Faraday cage? Yeah, this, this was your yeah. idea. It's that tinfoil hat he's yeah. wearing that worries but me. It must be, there must be more to it to act the way they've, they've acted. And I think we will end up... I don't know whether they can lock us down again, but this, is, mean, where we, no, but this is where we need our associates to jump in now, before mm. anything happens. She's too to busy us. getting awards. Leave her alone. <laughs> She's got a lovely little necklace the other day. Let's... If, I mean, you say it's it's softly, softly, or that, but don't you think that they're, they're going a bit hard on this one because it's only a few cases? No, and because they were point, everyone pointed out the fact that they weren't, didn't go quickly enough last time. Yeah, don't you think quick, they're going to go quickly? Yeah, if they're going to go quickly, shut us down now. Give us two weeks now, shut it down, and then open at Christmas. Mm-hmm. But they won't do that. They'll try and give us, a, they'll stretch it out, and then a week before Christmas, they'll shut it down again. We'll lose all that last week of trade, and then we'll be we'll be back at the end of January before we're back operating again. But and no one can afford it. And there's always been huge doubt over the use of masks anyway and the effectiveness. I think it was the BMJ produced a, a report end of last week, and I think the Guardian had to do a retraction on some of the reports they put in before about their effectiveness. So again, I think we we are at the behest of their stories and scaremongering. So, well, we shall see. We shall see. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether I share your uh, your quite so negative views, but yeah, it's, it's a worry. What do you, what, Ed, what, you, worry. Ed, what do you think then? Well, I don't think anything. He thinks. I'm just so like curious. What do you think is going to happen? I, no lockdown. No. No, I don't yeah. think. I I I I hope a lockdown is going to be the the final final straw. We talked about this earlier, didn't we? You know, it's, COVID passports are going to be the things that they bring in. Went to the theatre with my daughter. Where's your vaccine passport? You where's your booster seat? Where's your booster seat? Where's your vaccine passport? They didn't tell me before I went to the theatre I needed a vaccine passport. And did you have one? I had one, but yeah. Uh-huh. Like, but I'm just saying, like they'll bring it in. We'll end up vaccine passports and, and masks, and but would we'll you be grateful but, for it because we're not locked down? Well, I was going to say this is going to be the thing, isn't it? Are you going to be happier to have COVID passports if it means no lockdown? It's their way of getting it through, though, isn't it? But they're always looking for us to be thankful. And that'll be the thing, again, like, like they've done now. No mass and hospitality, be thankful for that. And then it'll be no lockdown for you guys, but we want this. Um, the bigger challenge, I think, is this could be the final straw if we do have any more... Yesterday, we had, and the weather wasn't great, but a few cancellations yesterday. It was definitely a bit of nervousness in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, if, you, if you're good or was that because you were in the kitchen? I think they heard you were coming. Ah, right. So, um, unfortunately, it was on social, so they stopped. But I, really, I think the good operators, those that can afford to, have stocked up for Christmas, right? Because mm. all the supply chain issues, not, not in November, in October, when it was starting to really bite in September. The danger is sitting on a lot of stuff, you're relying on turning into cash in the next five weeks. Mm. If you don't do that in January, you know January's always tough. 
um, you know, all the vegans come out of the thing, and, <laughs> you know, and, and people, you know, join gyms and stuff. And true, you know, stop drinking. Really, yeah, stop drinking. Mm, yeah, you know, there's yeah, lots of charities yeah. that benefit from the pub trade. Will be anti-drinking and stuff, but not that's a bee um, in your bonnet. Yeah, it'll be just a you know a month of misery yes. for everyone, mm. short-lived. Um, so I think that's that is another you know real danger. Will they? Will people be able to? cope with that and of course we've got the um, rent moratorium coming to an end in March so yeah. it could be a perfect how many storm. operators have you know come to a deal you imagine yeah. just thrown into lockdown again yeah. just or, 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 or had Christmas taken away from you or impacted because we said this the other day about taking big bookings you know you were saying yeah. small parties you lose a couple but if you're starting to lose 24s and 40s and things like that mm. because someone's tested positive whatever the story yeah. may be you know I think people, 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 people will be swerving them though people yeah. will be swerving big bookings this year yeah. why would you want to go to a company party where you don't like anybody you work with yeah it's a great excuse I feel. do you know what I mean mm. yeah I'm not going to mine <laughs> I bet probably wasn't invited <laughs> Not after, did, the, not after the photocopier incident last didn't, year. Didn't, didn't they move the date so you couldn't <laughs> that come? That wasn't my fault. I invited you, all right? That was the mistake I made. They're not designed for that kind of weight. Um, and in more positive news, uh, the BII licensees of the year were announced. We had James and Chris Black from the Epitome Inn in Cornwall. Uh, congrats. We should get them on. Be nice to have some real expertise on the show, wouldn't it? Yeah, background noise there. Just <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a little of a bit of a wince, but uh, yeah. nah, nah. I could okay. on them. They deserve well to win. Absolutely, it's really cute. Really cute <laughs> ceremony. Okay, have you ever won it? No, I don't need to enter it first. <laughs> you need to pass the spelling exam to start. <laughs> they, don't, they don't let you put you applications in in yeah. crayon. That's How do you the spell B I? What's the last one? Anyway, let's let's park that one there, shall we? You're listening to the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. We're talking about recruitment and staffing this week and it's certainly an issue that's top of mind for most operators at the moment. Apparently, according to Forbes, staffing levels are still down 18% compared with 2019 figures and vacancies are set to hit a record high this Christmas. With us to pick over some of these issues, I'm delighted to say we've got Dan Rosavi, a director with leading recruitment agency Leisure Jobs. Dan, welcome. Hello. Good stuff. Thank you for having me. No problem. So, I mean, give us a bit of an idea, um, you know, what, what is the landscape looking like for, from a recruitment perspective at the moment? Yeah, I guess um, what's interesting, certainly from our side, so from leisurejobs.com, so being an online advertising platform, from February this year, we've gone from 1,800 job vacancies right. to, we peaked last week at nearly 17,000. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> that's just so adverts across our site. That's yeah. within Leisure Hospitality. Is that nationally or like? Yeah, nationally. Yeah, yeah, okay, so. right. I was going to say not just Sussex. Yeah, yeah not just Sussex. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> I was just being a dick. So, yeah, so, you know, the, the challenges are, as we've seen and hear day in, day out, they're out there. Mm. Um, uh, you know, you couple that with, at the moment, the word on the streets or the, the way people are hearing that people are either, you know, gazumping people trying to get get them on board. Um, I came from a meeting today with a pub group from London and, you know, talking about people, we find people are going out there and it seems like they might be looking for jobs, in inverted commas, really just to see 
what they're going to be paid so they can go back and ask their current employer to okay, purchase. So they're, they're almost fishing to see what's... Uh, yeah, okay. so um, which obviously makes it difficult for the employer because realistically, how sustainable is it when you're paying some people, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand a year mm. head chef level? How sustainable is that in the pub sector, in the hospitality sector to make sure that you can still turn a profit because ultimately mm. we all want our great British pubs and restaurants to still be there when this finally ends. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's, that is a difficult one to and I'm sure from the operating side it's difficult to balance those books so. absolutely absolutely Heath what are you paying your, your chefs they're probably coming around that yeah yeah like you know I mean they get staff keep all the service charge and they, they get paid for overtime and stuff so yeah my, my chefs are like that they're making my kitchen board is cleaning up doesn't speak a word of English cleaning up that's probably probably useful that he can't hear your insults <laughs> but the thing is they, they're making great money so they don't leave I've always paid well and always looked after them well so. aren't you recruiting for a kitchen portrait right? I've got one Down oh you got one okay Down Down one. Good. I was going to say <laughs> when, when do I start <laughs> two days a week two days a week this guy but I only needed like we're quite we're, during lockdown when it went wrong and I managed to pick up four other chefs we're always about two short in the kitchen mm. and now I've got a full team because they all got screwed over by other employers they worked for for years and and they, they three friends, you, I'd look after them. And I've looked, I look after and I pay well and I respect them and I don't take the piss and they eat well. And, you know, it's all, I think that that's the thing. I think so many companies just treat staff like a number. And I think if you look after them and respect them, I think respect's a big thing for all these people. Well, we're going to be talking about retention okay. uh, in a little while. So we'll probably come back on to, to, to those things. But, um, I mean, Dan, while we've got you here, let, let's sort of pick, pick your brains a bit more. Um, you know, What's behind this this surge? Would you say? I mean, is it Brexit? Is it the pandemic? I mean, I mean, we had difficulty <laughs> recruiting pre-pandemic and pre-Brexit. I mean, is it just that these have, have, have made it so much worse? I think look, there's there's an element of everything. I think with picking up on what Heath has just said, there is the respect side of things, and I know you're going to be talking about retention, but it's how you know the member of staff feels they're being protected by their company as well because. We like a complaint every now and again mm, mm, <laughs> as uh, the British mm. public. And I think, you know, you see, I think uh, the big table group, the CEO actually wrote a, um, a poster that said, you know, if we, if we don't have something on the menu, that's not my member of staff's fault. You know, if you don't get good service, that is their fault. So you have to be respectful of the time and how they're being treated. So I think that's one element that operators really need to understand that when they're coming through that door, they are working for you and they need to be protected by you because people will just take them work them to the bone mm. so I think when you look at that side that's a big part of it but I think there is a mix of everything out there you know Brexit um, <laughs> we know is there and that's unfortunately led to a lot of people leaving the sector mm. but then you look at um, for example the challenges that hospitality is coming up against in the other fields where people are Amazon is a great example of yes. um, offering, I think, £2,000 welcome bonus for a picker and a packer and £15 an hour. And in some areas, they're picking them up in in their bus loads and dropping them off to work. So you haven't got to pay to travel to work anymore. Wow. You, you're getting paid four or five pounds more per hour. You know, obviously, Do you get to choose which contract. cage they put in. <laughs> <laughs> that can be arranged. I make sure, like, you know, I don't want to think too small. <laughs> um, but but then you've got to look at also 
I think diversifying and too far in the past that people have looked at it's five days a week eight to ten hour shifts there's other hospitality brands out there Megan's for example looking at trialing a four day working week right. for their staff yeah. so I think you know you, you have to move with what works for your staff but also can work for you as well mm. so I mm. think I think and this will come to your retention part but a lot of um, cross training because th- what we are hearing a lot more in the sector is people love what they're doing but they want to be exposed to other areas doesn't necessarily always have to be you're a chef and that's yeah. it you're a chef yeah. you can't go outside of those four walls um, so I think I mean I've met heat chefs I wouldn't <laughs> let them outside but of they're, they're like the cast of Taken <laughs> do you know what I mean you want them at front of house you eat now hurry up what are you taking so long <laughs> get out not all of them are Welsh <laughs> Is that not more? That was my Eastern European sort of hustle. Right? <laughs> With, yeah, less said about your accent the better. Um, I mean, again, also driving, picking people up. I mean, I've seen James drive. I wouldn't want to get in a car with him and be picked up for work. That's um, probably not. I think. We're hearing a lot about golden hellos or whatever you want to call them, uh, sort of welcome packages. Uh, I was chatting to um, uh, Vicky Williams of Almond Pubs the other day. They're having to do it. You know, small group of pubs up in the northwest. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're paying bonuses to people coming in. I mean, is that is that something you're seeing a lot of? Absolutely. I think even so much so. Last week, I was having a conversation with Buzz Bingo, and you know, huge transferability in skill set. It's that service sector. Um, and even for team members in harder hit areas, it's a £500 welcome bonus for you know for hourly paid staff. How uh, long do you have to stay at the job? This is the thing, so no one's given me the finer detail. 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> at least 10 years. We'll have about 500 quid back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's interest on that, by the way. It's, uh... But my, my thought process, and I'm sure you know, their T's and C's will align with this, is predominantly um, when you hire someone for an agent, a recruitment agent you pay them and you're on a three month you know one month full Mm. rebate so my my guessing would be it's going to be half paid on starting and then half paid in three months time or half paid in three months time half paid in six months time so it's a you know it's a good idea to try and get your recruitment agency spend down um but it, it's just how sustainable are those things and are you just therefore creating an industry where people are going to jump because the next person's offering two grand if you sign on both yeah exactly and yeah. every six months they're leaving or mm. asking their current employer to give them another two grand you've just got to make it work you've got to make it be somewhere they want to work yeah exactly I think that's the struggle because so many pieces, places create places that you don't want to work in do you know what I mean we were talking about an operator that I know the other week on a business I know they don't they don't feed the staff if you have a break you have to leave the building and the service charge is incorporated in the hourly rate and they're going through staff like crazy yeah well maybe it's time you readdress how you the whole system do you know what I mean absolutely and just picking up on that you know too many times you see when people certainly in the advertising space they're, they're saying that 28 days holiday is a benefit well no that's you know, it's yeah. a legal requirement <laughs> exactly but it is a balance isn't it between retention and being the good guy versus being held to ransom and there's definitely there's an air of that which is ransom. really unhelpful yeah I mean I, I was speaking to a very well known pub and restaurant operator and a head chef walked in and said oh yeah he'd applied to the job he was great for the job um the advert said 45 grand a year and sat down and said so you've seen the advert yes i've seen the advert you've seen the salary yes but if you want me you're going to need to pay me 55 because i know you're in the shit <laughs> so, doesn't exactly build that 
kind of lovely. Trust. Exactly. One, exactly. You're, you not, you're not I, all pulling in the same direction. It feels like quite a mercenary environment. I know it's an employee's market at the moment, but is, is that fair? Is it quite mercenary? Are we seeing more and more of that kind of hostage sort of... Uh, I think we are, you know. And the thing is, um, as we were chatting earlier with the operator down in Bristol, where one team walked in, offered all the employees 50 pence more an hour, and they... Up ship left and on mass. Yeah, left on mass, and I think you know people. People will come back to your business. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to let them go, mm. because they'll come mm. back to you because they'll realise that actually what you offer and how you were treated and the whole culture and ethos that you stand for actually weighs outweighs twelve p more an hour. Mm. You know, mm. I've had conversations, not just that conversation, but a hotel group opened up in Leeds. And the, literally, he told me that they lost 30 employees because they were offering two pence more an hour. Two? That, two pence more an hour. Yeah, this means they're a bad... Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you're, not looking, after you're not looking after your staff uh, if they're going to leave for such a small pence. amount. However... Mind you, buy a three-bedroom house in Leeds for that. You went wrong. Buy a three-bedroom house in Leeds for that, Oh, sorry, everyone. Just, it was just a stereotype. That, that, that's, um, we just this lost is, our one listener in the north now. Uh, this is Heath signing off. <laughs> <laughs> the taxis outside. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan, I mean, I'm conscious of time, uh, and we could probably go on about this for for, yeah. for ages. But I mean, what advice would you give to operators looking to recruit at the moment? What would be the key sort of things you'd uh, suggest they do? So I think from an, certainly from an attraction point of view, be open, upfront, and honest. When, whenever you're advertising something, don't hide behind things. You know, if it's if it's out, if it's minimum wage, it's minimum wage. Don't put competitive in the salary because we know <laughs> we know that that's minimum wage. Yeah. Right? So be upfront, honest with what you're offering, and make your brand attractive and spread yourselves. You know, from a, a company branding point of view, as far as possible, because you need to be seen. Because someone might not want to work for you today, mm. but in six months' time, they may want to come and work for you. But also, what you need to do when someone's applying to you is actually get back to. I know it's very difficult and everyone's stretched, but get back to that candidate with some constructive feedback. They might not be right for you now, but actually, if they, as, as a chef, for example, you know, you always have that old school environment that people want to be a CDP or a sous chef, and uh, you're actually looking for a burger flipper, for example, but it's under as a CDP or a sous chef. Yeah, you need to, if your pub or your restaurant is at that looking for two rosette or Michelin star then provide that feedback on the candidate where they can go and train and develop themselves and then don't shut the door for them because mm. in three to six months time that could be your next head chef yeah. for two years down the line so you know you've got to keep every door and every opportunity yeah. open at the moment think ahead plan ahead absolutely and, uh, yeah, perfect brilliant okay well I'm afraid that's all we've got time for but thank you very much thanks Dan. for having me cheers thanks, thanks. cheers This is the Lock-In Podcast. We're looking at the challenges around staffing in this week's episode. And while we've been focused on recruitment, the flip side of that is holding on to the team. With us to discuss this as well, we've got Osh Rogers from the Guinea Grill. Hi, Osh. How are you doing, gentlemen? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about sort of uh, retention. You know, I mean... Maybe you can start off, Osh. I mean, you just said you've lost two. Is that well, it happens. <laughs> so maybe I you're the wrong person for this. We always yeah. seem to find that, you know, we take two steps forward and three steps back. And mm. it's been the, I think, the theme of the pandemic since it started. Every time we make a plan, 
the plan has to change and uh, we're, we're going through that right now at the moment but as you know at the beginning we're very fortunate we've got a lot of long term staff mm. and obviously we retain them we've made some changes to how they're remunerated over the last few months to make sure that they're competitively paid and uh, we're, we're in a very unusual situation I suppose because the demand for pints and for tables and for steaks and for um, for, for, for actually coming to the Guineas as high as it's ever been yeah. we're finding ourselves short on headcount uh, to deliver the amazing service that, that we always do and you know that's the challenge at the moment and uh, that's what I was saying two steps forward three steps mm. back at the minute mm. I mean you, you talked about remuneration I mean what, what are you actually doing How much, are you having to pay significantly more I mean without going into well you can go into detail I would, if you like. estima- that. I would estimate that chef's wages have increased by in excess of 30% since the pandemic started in central wow. London Ouch. and front of house is not far behind however I would also say they deserve every penny because they're working so hard they're working so many hours and I strongly feel they should be paid by their hour mm-hmm. and those who are doing overtime need to be compensated for the overtime and obviously 100% of the trunk needs to be distributed among the crew mm-hmm. and their decisions there are things we've always done but mm-hmm. some but things that we're underlining you know and um we're also in an inflationary period at the moment. We've seen beef prices go up by 20, 30, 40% in places. We've seen other um, supply um, issues with um, all, of our, all of our consumables. And, you know, we have to pass that on to the customer yeah. a little yeah. bit uh, here and there. And um, we're also finding that our guests are not afraid to spend. So, actually, our top line's doing okay. Right. Um, and we really need to retain our crew and make sure we've got the right people in the right positions. And if that means we have to pay them a little bit more, that's what we have to do. Mm. And I think it's much better to make that decision early mm. rather yeah. than wait for things to fall down around you. The cost of retraining, of course, is the other point, isn't it? If you end up retraining, the cost of that is scary. And particularly here, isn't it? it's basically an institution in itself, isn't it? And people know how things are done at the Guinea. You can see that. But to get someone new in and see whether they can cut the mustard or not, it's a big time. It is. It takes a long time for somebody, even somebody experienced, to come and get from uh, a trainee to uh, somebody who can be uh, allowed to run a section or allowed to or, or, or trusted to actually do the job here because it's quite technical mm. in places. It's interesting mm. you say that because so many people will wait till there's that horrible conversation or the offer's been accepted somewhere else. So you're really saying get in early, have the conversations early. I think that was where we've had a good win at the Guinea. We started addressing this in May when we came out of the last lockdown mm. and um, I was very fortunate that we managed to retain over 70% of those that we we kept through furlough. So I'm very happy with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you talked about costs going up across the east and, and obviously staffing costs as well. Are you passing that on to the consumer? I mean, you, you're lucky in the sense that you, you've got a fairly wealthy clientele. I have to be here. honest with you, Ed. We're not passing it on to the consumer because we don't have enough headcount to actually pay the amount of wages that we would do right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in order to take the money we do yeah. have. So it's yeah. a kind of... Uh, it's You don't need to at the moment. Well, yeah, we do right. need to. Off, mm. You know, our managers are, are, are doing an awful lot of hours. Yeah. Um, we're all putting in, you know, very long shifts, as you know. And, um, you know, the benefits of that are that... Um, you know, the EBITDA on the bottom line is actually looking pretty good. Mm, mm. I mean, James, are you, what, what's your experience? You know, are you paying more? Is that... Uh... Um, 
I mean, you've obviously got the best paid KP in the country. You can't um, speak English, mate. I don't know. I've always paid quite well. So I think in the service charge, I keep all the trunk, I think. I think they're on a good... You know, I've always paid well above minimum wage. So I think quite high staff retention anyway. I think I lost one after COVID. Um, but that was just going back to their own country. So mm. quite fortunate. I'll, you know, I count my chickens, but I think we're okay. Mm. Mm. You love chickens, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that. That's a great story. <laughs> Well, maybe for the Christmas special. I think we'll we do. Yeah, that, we'll maybe yeah. we'll we'll put the video up on. Uh, on the, no, we won't put the video up on the website. Let's not talk about the check-ins. Uh, we can talk about booster seats, but no. Uh, I mean, James, at the Lockhart, are you paying? Uh, having to pay? No, above and beyond. We, we always paid above and beyond, but we've oh. always got the best staff, mm. and um, they only need to look and hear stories from other operators locally to realise they're actually grass isn't greener and they get well looked after as Heath made the point they get paid well they get the trunk they get a staff meal before after a shift they get you know they do get well looked after so um, are you are you confident then uh, is, uh, if somebody came in as, uh, as Dan was saying earlier somebody a rival comes in and offers them you know 50p a quid more an hour it happens yeah. it's been happening yeah, 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 managers have several approaches yeah, yeah because they know yeah. mm. uh, my staff get offered jobs all the time mm. But it's not. It's not. And just they money. say no, no. I, I love working with Heath so much. I'm going to stay put. Said no one Do ever. you still keep everyone's passports in the? <laughs> and, and their children. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But I do think it's about culture as well, isn't it? It's the culture you create for your team in the in the in the business as well. It's there's some um, there's well, not price it, 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 it can't just be about remuneration can it I mean it's got to be I think uh, it's the work environment yeah no one wants to work late as well the kids don't want to be working in places till 2 in the morning and the weekends they want to they want to have a social life they don't want to work late nights mm. so I think you know if you've got like we close at 11 mm. all the sides, except the Wentlock which goes to 1, 2 I don't think the licensed office is listening anyway <laughs> 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 so you don't let them work till two, but you pub, you do actually keep it up till two, is that? No, we don't. So, but we pay overtime as well. I know a lot of companies don't. Do you know what I mean? I think that's. Yeah, I think you know it's a big thing, especially for chefs. In the old mm. days, it just be you get paid this much, but we need you to do to one o'clock every morning. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, uh, that's all gone now, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. it really Thank is, God. and rightly so. Yeah, yeah, because it wouldn't be expected anywhere else. Absolutely not. Oshim, you have you sort of seen uh, uh, changes in demand for work patterns and things like that? Obviously, you're paying more, but that work-life balance, which is becoming a bigger thing, certainly amongst younger sort of millennials, sort of and and Generation Z uh, staff, they want to have more time off. Ed, I don't think it's just Generation Z. Mm. I think an awful lot of people reevaluated their lives during the furlough periods and during the lockdowns. You know, people were able to spend more time with their families, more time with their pets, more time with their hobbies, more mm-hmm. time with their keeping fit, more time with their cooking. And they want to keep It was that. awful. And so they should. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm looking across at these two guys, the last thing they want to do is spend more time with their family. This new eight-day eight working week's brilliant. <laughs> I have to be honest with you, gentlemen, I absolutely loved lockdown. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was, I spent time with the dogs, I spent time swimming out in the nature, mm-hmm. did loads of uh, running about the place, and mm-hmm. uh, while I did miss the hustle and bustle of the pub, I also mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed spending time mm-hmm. with the family, fi- time with the girls. And, uh, but you it's know, something that you want to do every day. It's, something, it's a short... It's that. Yeah. But you, you, miss, you must miss the... This pumps the life. Oh, I wouldn't do anything else, yeah. as you well know. Well, Amazon are paying fifteen pounds an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I He's worry about, about the amount of cardboard. <laughs> so much cardboard. 
I'll just be sending parcels to myself. Pa- paper cuts everywhere. I'm worried about how many packages arrive at our house. I think we're paying for most of it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so have you, have you reflected, is that, is, have you made changes to the team in terms of hours or, or shift patterns or anything like that? We've always tried, particularly with the students and the actors and the part-time staff and the junior staff, to listen to what and when they would like to work and tried to do that by having you know a really high head count we've got a lot of people who will do 15 20 25 hours Mm. and they'll have specific times there's a lot of you know actors and dancers who work for us who come and go and do shows and bits and pieces like that Mm. and we've always managed to work around it but i have found it over the last couple of months much more challenging because the requests and the expectations of people as heath already said to not want to work late Mm. they also don't want to work early and some of them don't want to work when it's busy Mm. you know so it's uh, so it's it's been we could just send them the money or just not work (laughs) just send the money this is this makes this much easier for everyone to be honest i love sending them the money it's one of my favorite things <laughs> well there's like 15 quid an hour at amazon so uh, i think uh, i'll uh, probably see you later guys so oh i was gonna say you'd be missed <laughs> i'll probably spoke i'll probably speak for the entire business when when i when i yeah thanks, you, ed. thanks actually yeah. ed i'd also say that i think there's very few people in our business now who are earning less than that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Trying when you take it all into uh, to account so I mean we're, we're almost out of time but I mean what would your top tip be when it comes to, to retaining what's what's your key bit of advice I think the most important thing is to assess each member of the team and work out where they are happiest in the business and use their talents to grow the business while they grow themselves Mm. and if they see that we're investing in them and letting them blossom in the role that they're doing then they're far more likely to stay and it's not necessarily about the money Mm. good stuff and and actually that brings Dan did talk about that sort of cross training key skills across the thing is that something that you'd I mean we discovered that Heath wouldn't let his chefs out of the kitchen because uh, they terrify the customers I mean is that something that you you would look at at all of sort of having people sort of trained across the we've got a number of people who work on both front and back of house we've got a lot of bar staff who also work in the service Mm. and uh we got runners who like to be waiters, waiters who like to be runners. We've got uh, pastry chefs who also work on the grill. Mm. So we do actually have quite a few uh, people who are multi-skilled, and I'm very fortunate to have them. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, that's all we've got time for. So, Osh, thank you very that's much. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Good to see you all. Cheers. Thanks, mate. This is the Lock-In Podcast. So we've touched on it earlier, but perhaps not gone into huge detail, but let's discuss the C word. No, not, not that C word, Heath. Christmas? No, not Christmas either. We're talking about careers. Uh, it's like that groan of, I mean, the enthusiasm that's coming off you, Heath. I mean, this is, you're supposed to be selling this as, a, as an industry. and. Uh, encouraging your staff in this come, come and work in hospitality get insulted by people all day work long hours on your feet yeah great there we go I mean that's uh, our job here is done isn't it we well, can maybe, scrap that hospitality that, rising that, campaign that, exactly there's the sound Heath, it's all done he's got it yeah shit don't do it from the miserable Kiwi in the corner yeah, but it's like I, I think that we all we, we could spend millions on advertising campaign 
but we, we, hospitality staff have been treated so badly by employers and by customers for so long. The whole thing needs to change. So we can do spend as much money as they like, but if you want to create in hospitality, it's we need a change. So, I mean, we, we, we talk about it a lot, saying, you know, that... The, we should be pushing this as a career. You know, is the hospitality sector the place for a career? He says no. I think, I think if we had clear paths and and we paid, like you know, everyone's screening each other over staff on service charge, but we don't. Osh obviously doesn't, but we we give the money to them. But so many companies don't. So it's just like this. It feels like we're ducking and diving. I think there's so many operators out there who are just charlatans who just take advantage of their customers and the thing. It, you know, unless we start getting serious proper operators and and I don't know, have some regulation and stuff because it just seems like anybody thinks they can open a pub or a restaurant or anything tomorrow and do it and it's going to be great. But they've got it's a it's a tough. It's a tough job. You've got to be a plumber, an electrician, an accountant, a marketing manager, a guidance counsellor. It's not easy. And so it's, you know, it's a tough career. It's not easy. But how do we recruit for that then? How do, how do, we, how do we train for that? Because, I mean, it, I mean, you're being very sort of generalist there. You don't have to be generally. You don't have to be you. You can go down certain routes within Well, no, you can. You can go and work, you can go and work at Lisboa. It's like, and they'll put you on training programs. Yeah, you're granted. It depends what you want to do, though. You know what I mean? My goal was always to own my own businesses. Because, A, I don't like people telling me what to do. And B, no I don't tell to work with you. No, B, I don't like telling them what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I think... Why is he married? Stem cells. I need stem cells. Uh, right, okay. Kids, you need kids' stem cells. Um, and it's a, like, you know, it's a, it's a rewarding career, but it's a tough. For me, it's a tough sell. If my daughter said, oh, "I want to go and do what you do, Dad," I'd say, "Go and go and do something else where, you know, you're not you like. It's a lifestyle. It's mm. Like especially in pubs, mm. pubs are a lifestyle. They're not. It's not traditional hospitality. Do they have to be though? Because I mean, this is the thing we, we talk about. I think about the most successful professionalizing. One, I think I think the most successful ones are. Yeah. I think when you start putting managers in places and you have, you. I, I think the big thing with big pub is what they're missing is they've got managers, not landlords, and there's a difference because a landlord wants to make it work because it's their business, it's their livelihood, mm. and it's their career. Managers do what. Uh, HQ says and they work out and but, they do all that but we're in a managed pub you know it's different the, the, but Osh runs this like he owns it yeah. and then you, mm. you manage to get someone who's taken that on board and really embraced it mm. he's a landlord here yeah. do you know what I mean so that, but that's the key then isn't it if you're, if you're running a managed business is to empower your and your you know how hard that is to be like. everybody I've ever worked for wanted that mm. they always mm. want that guy to be oh, I wish he was you know treated like their own and, and really true great owners I remember worked for one guy and he just stepped back and, and just let me take care of the business because uh. He knew that's what I did he very was well. Yeah. But I think that's the thing, though. It's you, you know, I think we need to give the young people an opportunity to run it like theirs, but they've got to be prepared for long hours because if you own a business and you run a business yourself, it's a graft. It's not Monday to Friday. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I think, it, but we've been through the, the businesses, or the industry's evolved. Isn't it? If you go back in the day, it was pretty, you, you wouldn't get any training really. Um, and all no. the, the guy owning it would be looking to make sure you weren't nicking anything yeah. um, and expect you to leave in a couple of Why weeks. Why are you looking at Heath? <laughs> so, and then you had the big banks and what have you came in and bought huge swathes of the industry and turned them into property companies effectively and depersonalised mm. them. Yeah. And, and we had the, the big pub groups putting people into leases they should never have had yeah. with the trading. So again, it was poisoned. We sort of came out of that a bit and we did see some of the breakup 
Um, you could then afford to be buying freeholds and things like that. And now we're seeing the cycle again where there's money coming in just playing big swathes of the business. So the thing you've got to think about, that, that, that it's, when you say a pub, it's, there's just so many different elements to that in terms of working in different areas. Mm. You've got the likes of Ramsey and these celeb chefs doing that bit that makes chef chefing kind of sexy and popular. That doesn't help. That, that, that helps. Um, but you've got to look at there's still so many bad operators out there. Um, and as Heath said, if you're doing a good job, it means you're in there doing like Osh does, and he very clearly owns this place in terms of spirit. Mm. And, it, it, and everyone knows it. You can see it. It's brilliant. But I don't know. I don't think it's just as simple. Because if you look at um, Lydia, for example, she's manager yeah. of the, the Lockhart, she's now on a path to a degree. Mm. So it's truly a career for her. That now. you guys are organising yeah. in front and because she, but she's also shown enough to a that she wants to do it. I mean, that's mm. the first conversation, mm. and she's going to be with us hopefully for a good while. But you have to just say, well, okay, seventy percent of your staff are going to be transient and they're going to flip mm. university in out whatever or go and you know do the job they're trained to do. You do have an element then you're a backbone that you should invest in, and, yep. and if you're a decent operator, you look after. Um, and I think that then makes life easier for like Sir Heath and I mm, mm. but it's just knowing the difference between the two mm. so very early getting a kind of an understanding where the head is so mm. tell me what you're doing then with, with, with that training with your okay. team we've got several of the team now that we've put um, through there's, there's basically some government grants available we're going through HIT training mm -hmm. and um, you get if, you're, if they joined you in the last three months you get um, £3,000 grant um, for the business you get free 100% funded training Right, um, and all the time they're in training, and you do give them some time out of their job. Yeah, but that means if you're if you're a, a bar person, let's just say, and you spend time working on rotors, and, mm -hmm. and that, that's out of your job because your job as a bar person is to serve drinks. Yeah, to serve drinks. So actually, a lot of it is on the job, but they say twenty percent. But actually, a lot of that can still be in the site and being useful. Um, you get a national insurance break for the whole duration of their training. And we've got everyone from uh, someone looking at assistant manager training. So, you know, they're currently uh, bar staff. Right. Taking the next level. Mm. And then we've got Lydia there who is really looking at their multi-site um, qualifications and um, eventually a degree at the end of that path. So, yes, yeah. you know, she, she's smart um, and didn't stay on and do that. But I think that's the difference maybe in the business that we want to have mm. is that those that want it and are enriched by that and of course we get a better person but we're not I don't think we're, we're hung up on that retention thing because I think we know what we do and how we do it yes, yeah. so I you know it, this is the biggest challenge there are lots of people say oh I'm not going to train because I'll train them and then they'll leave and go somewhere else and I mean it's the old joke who says know. that I don't know. People actually say that. The other day, no, no, people actually say that. You've got to have confidence. Though, I think there's it? so many fucking dickhead operators out there who just get away with murder. Mm. No wonder no one wants to stand the tree. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They get the piss taken out of them, you know? Obviously none of our listeners. Yeah, but oh, no, I've heard yeah. it. I was listening to the other day and someone's like, they were like, another uh, one of my staff's friend was like, basically the guy was like, if you don't come to work, you know, if you don't work over Christmas, you're not going to have a job to come back to. The guy's like, yeah, fuck you then, I'm going. Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll slightly pull you up on this one a little bit because you said a few minutes ago, and I wanted right. to circle back to it, about, you know, people don't want to work hard. Um, you know, they don't want to do the arts, they want to do this. That 
in itself is almost a, is a hard message to put across to certainly these younger guys coming in because it's not that they don't want to work hard they just have a different value set necessarily to, to us then yes we probably go lazy little fuckers the world's, don't want to work. the world's a different place like the reality is they go and try and buy a house now in the UK, average house price is out of their reach for a lot of young people right now. So, yeah, we, we, we all sold, I think we're, our generation, I say, I'm a bit younger than you guys, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> our generation was sold the lie that if you work hard, you'll get rewarded. And that's a fucking lie. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think, but the hard thing about hospitality is you are, and it's a good thing for a lot of people like you too, if you're on your feet a bit more, you know, you're moving all the time. <laughs> Can I just say that age is not related to the size of your booster seat, Heath? But I'm just thinking, like, it's, you know, I mean, let's be honest. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it's a physical, on-your-feet-all-day job. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you can cut hours and you can try and work that out. But you've got, how is that financially viable to run a business where you've got staff all working four-day weeks? Mm. You know, we're quite lucky. A lot of our guys, we hardly have people who have to work seven shifts. We sort of say some 45 hours mm. a week. Most of them work 20, 23 hours a week, and we work around them. So, you know, we don't have a lot of real career professionals in the business. But it's, it's I, you know, it's a tough game. Mm-hmm. But those that you have, you just have to have the, the platform for them to progress as they wish. That's yeah. the difference. It's just not for everyone. I think training's, I think training's key, you know what I mean? Like, it really is key to keeping good people and keeping mm-hmm. them engaged. But like you said, so many people just don't want to train people because they don't want them to go anywhere else. But. Yeah. Which is uh, which? But then, if you don't train them, they stay. And then, what have you got? So, it's. I just think, are we doing enough training as a, as no, a trade? No, 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 definitely not. Here's my advice. Beyond Here's the on the job, because I mean, it's a key question we ask whenever we're doing judging and things like that. So, what what training do you think? And it's always a bit heart sort of uh, destroying when the response is. Oh, we do it on the job, you know, and they, they sort of follow me around and I show them this. And, and there's no formal process of qualification. I, I kind of agree, but at the same time, there are businesses that sit up there that prepare the business for award entries almost. Do you know what I mean? They have all these schemes that no one believes in, and it's a massive tick box. But actually, if you've got a good operator leading the floor, do you, do you, who's that, that man? Well, do you remember the, do you remember one of the one, one group yeah. had yeah. apps and everything, and they yeah. had... You know, it's fucking intense, and you looked at it, you you're went, in your amazing. Own, you're in your own pack, weren't you? Yeah, you're like you're in group and all that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Truman Show. It's like some sort Not of weird either. sort of... Yeah. I, I, I think the big thing is you just don't be a dick to your staff. You look after them. You pay them well, and you make an atmosphere that you'd want to. That's good fun to work in. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of hospitality businesses don't do that. Like they treat people like shit. They play a dominant power game with them. Um, I just, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science. Well, there you go. I think we're going to be talking to to Mark about uh, hospitality rising in a minute, and maybe that is the slogan that he should be using. Don't be a dick to your staff. I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that's work. perfect. That's. Uh, but but I think I should just say I do think the the important point here is that if people are looking at training, the funding's there. They yeah, should the go funding. And find it. Well, we've, we've managed to tap some proper funding. I mean, unbelievable. What was it? Hundred million? Oh uh, yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that dream that you woke <laughs> yeah, up yeah. from the other day. But so. there's also it doesn't need to be new staff as well. You can get ninety five percent funded if they're longer than three months. And actually, there's other if you're if businesses like Compass, for example, where their payroll's over three million pounds, they have to put into a levy, and that levy can be allocated to smaller businesses as well. So right, we okay, ended up yeah. the ninety five still one hundred percent funded. So really look into it. Hit the guys we're using. Absolutely. So key key messages then: get the funding. Don't be a dick to the staff. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's leave that there then. Yeah. 
You're listening to the Lock In Podcast. So we've been talking about recruitment and retention of staff and careers and training. But to achieve those, we need to try and improve the image of the sector as a place to work. That's something that Mark McCulloch of Supersonic Marketing has been looking to tackle with his initiative, Hospitality Rising. So welcome back to the podcast, Mark. Hello, I'm just sad I'm not with you. Well, so you are sat in a... Where are you actually? Are you at home? I'm at home. Oh, you are at home. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, we're in the pub, so uh, bad luck. Next time we'll get you in the pub. So uh, well, I'm, was... I'm, I'm still drinking at home, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Good lad. It's a result. I think last time you weren't drinking, so uh, that's. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, so I mean, let's maybe start. Let, let's give us a bit of a recap of of what the initiative is. What is hospitality rising? What are you trying to do? Mm. So basically. Um, on the 6th of May, um, you know, someone you know, quite big in, in food and drink tweeted out saying that there was a crisis going to hit us, uh, and it was on its way on on the 6th of uh, on the 6th of May. From the, it was an article for BBC, and all I could see was lots of people jumping into this tweet and saying, "Oh yeah, you're right," you know, and it was like, "Okay, are you going to do anything about it, or are you just going to keep speaking about it?" And it's been something that's been pre-pandemic as well, right? I mean, I remember being with you guys. I remember being with, with Kate at UK Hospitality. And, you know, we were talking about these things all the time, where it was, you know, chef shortages, staff shortages, you know, all that. And then there was a lady on Question Time that also said, um, who's going to serve me my coffee and prep? You know, and everyone made fun of her, you know, yeah. about breakfast. But she was right, you know. So anyway, so I thought for once in my life, and, and James will... will verify this I was going to be useful um, <laughs> and I thought um, actually James is still trying to find that that role that <laughs> well I just thought I've got enough hopefully enough experience of advertising brand and, and big budgets from my old lives and battle card and last minute .com. and then also um, I understood hospitality and I could see it was as plain as day as clear as the nose in your face it's a brand problem we've got so what happens with a brand problem is that you need to change perceptions. And the way that you change perceptions is by doing big scale brand advertising. Mm. And it needs to go on for many years, you know, to change that perception. So the best example of that of late would be Skoda, you know, um, where you would never have bought a Skoda in your life, you know, years ago. And now year on year on year on year, it's one of the top cars in all the hot car things and top gear. People are buying them, all the rest of it. So, you know, that's how you tackle something. So we did some research with uh, Cam Media and the team there came up with two really key stats, which were only one in five people would consider working in hospitality. If you let that sink in for a minute, mm. that's bad, right? One in five. And then two in five people would consider, uh, would recommend hospitality to someone else. Who well, actually may have been a bit disingenuous because half of them wouldn't want to work in hospitality, but they'll recommend it. Um, so the other problems we've got are long hours, treated badly, um, bad wages. Um, you know, it's heartbreaking work, right? Mm. So, in, in some cases, so. From that perspective, that was just the biggest, you know, sort of issues that we had when we looked through all the barriers to why people would, would want to do it. So we looked at the whole thing and I thought about this as, as a simple thing, which was it's army be the best 
but for hospitality. So we need to go out and basically just say, um, you know, we're recruiting for people, we're a fun place to be, etc., etc. So that was original thinking. And then what happened was I was really lucky was that um, I managed to get a good board round about me. So, you know, Kate from UK Hospitality, Emma from the BBPA, Stephen from the DII, um, but also, uh, like, you know, CEO of Loungers, Buzzworks, you know, just big, big companies uh, in the main to just help with buy some small ones as well, like James Nye at Angling Country Inns as well and things like that, just to balance it all out. But anyway, brought them on board and that gave us some gravity. And then at the same time, what happened was, I got in touch with the best agencies in the UK and went out to the top 20, so Saatchi and Saatchi, Leith's, all these, original John Lewis team. And basically what happened was they said, um, a lot of them just didn't come back to us. And a lot of them were saying, we're actually short for staff as well right now. So we've got a problem. But anyway, as luck would have it, our organisation came along called the IPA, well, not the drink obviously, but the Institute of Practitioners for Advertisers. And they came along and they said, we can help you for free. And they said, we, were, we, uh, we are a social problem, not a commercial one. Mm. So think about the knock-on effect. If there's not people working in restaurants and pubs and all the rest of it, it's going to be a massive crisis, right? Mm. So they said, is that. So they gave us a quarter of a million pounds worth of advertising help for free. So now the team consists of, and I can't believe it, it's like rock stars for me, you know. So I've got the two behavioural economists at Ogilvy globally. I've got um, the lead strategist from Army Recruitment for the last five years, and he did the best campaign for the last 10 years. Um, I've got Google and Amazon's lead creative agency um, doing the adverts. And I've got uh, the guys that brought us um, the meerkats and all the old 2 stuff. Um, well, you can't have well. everything, can you? So. I will. <laughs> but they've long remembered. So, just <laughs> that point of view, you know, you can't believe your luck. Mm. So, it's taken quite a while to get it all sorted. We've now got the creative. We've got two routes. One is called Live Fast, Work Young. And one is called Local Legend. And what we're trying to do is, the strategy is quite simple. We want to mainly talk to under 30s that are going entry level into the job market now. So we either displace them from what they're doing, so Amazon delivery driver working in retail, whatever it is, to come to us, or um, they're just about to go into a role and we, we position us as the fun option. Right, okay. So that's the authentic thing about it. So, so that's basically what we're trying to do. So we're trying to say, all other options are not fun. Yeah. The one thing you can't see about hospitality is that it's boring. It's a great place to work. True. I mean, you, you used an interesting analogy at the start, uh, talking about Skoda, and you've clearly assembled a, a, a Porsche team to deliver this. But uh, Skoda, you, you say it changed perception, but what what was key with Skoda wasn't just that they changed perception they changed the cars they were bought by VW they re-engineered they started churning out cars that were basically VWs with Skoda badges on which made them more reliable so it wasn't just a perception issue the perception issue reinforced the fundamental change within there you said yourself at the start that the challenge in the industry is nobody wants to there's people say it's a shit job or it's difficult or it's hard Heath is a great advocate 
for the trade. Um, <laughs> I, I'm saying that with my tongue in the cheek firmly. I mean, he himself has said, you know, it, it's a hard job and there's yeah. clearly problems uh, in there. So what do we do? How do we fix those problems? Because we can we can reposition, we can tell everyone it's a great job and they come yeah. into it and it's not. Yeah. Are we putting the chick? I guess I'm, I'm being a little bit unfair here, maybe. No, 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 you're, you're, you're right, you're right. So basically there's a great phrase in brand advertising, which is, um, and I'll forget it now, is <laughs> mm. <laughs> basically, you know, that, you know, nothing's, nothing's worse than shining a bright light on a bad product. Mm. There's just no point, right? The difficulty we have, though, is that we can't wait till the industry's brilliantly, you know, sort of working across the entire board. Yeah. Now, what thought is, and we're kind of, it's the old thing as well, we're trying to put the planes on as we're, we're trying to put the wings on as we're flying yeah. the plane sort of thing. So if we waited five years and we took five million quid and sunk it into development and all that, it'll get us so far, but it won't get us the whole way. So actually what we're having to do is do a little bit of accelerator and clutch. We're having to get the two things to work together. Now, the first way that we're going to do that is that we're working with the best companies in the UK only. So when you uh, invest in Hospitality Rising, you have to sign up to, um, you know, like a charter, right. which is saying we're a good place to work. We'll pay our staff on time every time. We'll make them feel valued. We'll be inclusive. And, you know, and as soon as anyone steps out of line, they're out. Right, okay. So you're, so you're, you're holding them accountable. Yeah, so you're working with the best companies. Um, obviously, yeah. not not with Heath and James then, is that? No, no, they're, they're out of it at the moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so, you know, so from that point of view, that, that was something that was dear to our hearts. You know, we can't just take the money for anyone because there's no point. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, so I've been working with Kay, who's the global HR director at Hilton. And she's been absolutely wonderful and instrumental in helping us look at all that. And we've been taking inspiration from the hospitality commitment, uh, you know, um, chapter type thing, and there's a hotel's equivalent as well. So we've taken, you know, big inspiration from that. Because um, all, all we need is one scandal in the Daily Mail, you know, and that'll screw us, you know. Yeah. So, we, we, you know, we need to be very careful of that. But... I think the best way we can do it is just be careful, not take the money at any cost, but work with the best operators that are out there. Um, and then we can start feeding in more. And then the other second thing then is what the advice I've been getting from the board as well is just try and stay in my lane a little bit because the cavalry is coming in the form of other you know, initiatives, government bodies, you know, money, all the rest of it, and they'll be looking after. So if, if we look at this like a restaurant, I'm bringing the people into your sushi or whatever, then it's the next team that we'll, we'll obviously be joined up with, but the next team will be all about development, etc. And Stephen from the BII has been great on this, and he's been talking about Hawaii. You know, when you get to Hawaii and you it's get to nice and all that, you know. Um, he says it's like that. Right. You know, who's doing that job? You know, to make people feel welcome, onboarded, you know, not overwhelmed, etc. But we don't, we don't have a perfect industry. But also, you know, the army and the adverts don't tell you you're going to get shot, right? So, <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. You know, well, isn't that, that the point? Be the best, so you don't get shot. Is that, uh, well, maybe, maybe yeah. there's that. But you know, unfortunately, it happens. But at the same time. 
we're not going to be lying or anything like that, but we will be looking on the sunnier side of the street to say this is what people hospitality should be. Yeah. Um, and we're working with the, I mean, the best people to do that. I mean, Heath, is that? I mean, you, 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 you've raised these concerns. I mean, is, does that? It sounds like it sounds like we're trying to create the perfect picture to hold everybody accountable. So we're actually like that. We're saying yeah, this is what yeah. hospitality should be like, and this is what yeah. it's going to be like. And you'll subscribe, and we're all going to do this. So eventually, we make change through just conversation and saying this is the way it's going to go. Mm. Fuck, it's a tough sell, though, isn't it? It's, hard. it's a tough sell but is it, it, it's worth doing surely then isn't it if I, I could, agree mm. like, I, yeah, like it, we need a better industry mm. we need better industry we need better operators we need better conditions we need better payment um, so yeah I'm not anti I just like it, it's fuck we've got a long way to go Yeah, a long yeah. way to go you know what I mean because the, the problem is our industry's loose it's the wild west sometimes you know what I mean people don't yeah. do things properly you know and We'd, we'd have more staff probably and pay better if we didn't have such high tax. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It'd be great if uh, you just work out the number that's required and then divvy it down per site. So basically, just send everyone an invoice yeah. as to what they owe. And there's some scheme where you can write it off against your tax or something like that or your VAT. Do you know what I mean? So everyone makes a commitment to it, mm. but it goes towards investing it. Just yeah. send them an invoice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, some of the big boys are have some big bills. But well, that's, that's the thing. Isn't it? Uh, no rumour that Sam Smith will just pay for it all then, given their beautiful uh, track record. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. <laughs> uh, they're renowned for their industry engagement. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, we funded it, you know, just to James's point there, you know, we, we funded it in a really nice way. And James and I from Angling Country Inns come up with an amazing way to, to fund it, which is £10 per head to be involved in the advertising for a year. Yeah. yeah. And it was just resonated so well. I mean, that, we that, only that makes sense. Though. Yeah. So again, that makes sense. That's like 10 quid a you know, year. And the worry with oh, the interesting thing with that though is I mean yes you'll get great buy-in from you know James and Heath for example Heath he's just volunteered to pay for the whole thing um, you'll get a great buy-in from the from the smaller operators um, and the guys who actually yeah you know what it's not going to cost me a fortune I'm happy to to be on on board with this and do it the larger operators where you actually really need them to come in to to help you fund that though that's yeah. a bigger ask isn't it. Yeah, so I've just been, just before I came on here, I was on to a very big operator. Um, and we've got, uh, in the region of 30-odd thousand staff, mm-hmm. and we've basically said, we'd love to give you the money, but there's a lot of money when it gets to those levels. Mm-hmm. So the way that we've done it is almost like an art gallery or a post designer shop or whatever, and just said, look, if you're over 5,000 staff, let's have a chat. Yeah. You know, and, and we'll come to a sensible figure, uh, you know, so the way we've done it, we've got a rate card that then sliding and a sliding scale goes down. Okay. After five thousand, after ten thousand, after you know what I mean. I've got um, it. I've got it. Nope. We do it on business rates Don't give me because trouble. business rates no, make so much sense. <laughs> yeah, could be a way. Could be a way for it. I mean, I think from from that, you know, but it's, it's great news. Um, and I'll tell you, I've just had an email in, which takes us to thir- over three hundred grand. Fantastic. 
couldn't believe it. And, and the thing, do you know what's funny? See the people that have to pay 500 quid, you're the most hassle. And see the folk that are paying like 60 grand, they're just like, they're, they're not even wanting a phone call, they're just like, there's the sheet, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, I'm, I'm conscious we're, we're out of the time, Mark. Um, thanks very much for that. We will probably check in with you to see how this goes along the way. But uh, for now, good luck with it, and we'll catch up soon. Nice to see you guys. Cheers. Take it easy, Cheers, Mark. Nice thanks. Do you, do you want to make the joke? No, no judge me, mate. No, no, I was thinking about that. You're right, a joke, not mine. Ah, okay, fair enough. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's part that one there. We shall. Oh, we're still uh, recording. We are still recording, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, I didn't understand a word he said. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's it, folks. Uh, we're almost at the end. See you later. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and sadly, we are at the end of this week's episode. We've been looking at recruitment, staffing, and career training challenges. So, guys, I mean, final thoughts on, on what we've heard today. Don't jump in there all at once, guys. Trepidation, really. Trepidation the unknown. Trepidation about worry, Heath. Um, <laughs> worry of future events. Um, Thanks, boss. <laughs> I like big words. <laughs> you can use that. <laughs> Just watching this space, aren't we? All right, Heath, what, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, have you... What about the staff? Or I'll, 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 on, on everything we've heard. I don't I mean, know, man. It's a, it's a car crash. This really? is the bit where so we, we wrap it go, up. We could go and do a whole, like, yeah, let's do a big, massive drive for staff and do this thing and look after them and then the government turn around and go, ha-ha, it's a lockdown. I mean, you're a massive cynic. Uh, and I just don't trust this government. This. Boris does what he wants. He literally does the worst speech anybody's ever seen in their life. And his MPs defend him. It's ridiculous. It's, I don't, fuck, I'm like, I'm so done with this government. But the horrible thing about it, the Labour Party scare the shit out of me as well. So what do you, like, you know, if the Labour Party were in power, we'd still be in a lockdown. Do you know what I mean? So where do you go? I mean... Uh, you is said that something. what you wanted, Ed? No, I'm not really. Sure I mean, like, we were talking about jobs and recruitment, oh, and, sorry, he, and he's now sorry. twisted into a rant about the government, which, mm. uh, to be fair, last week I gave him the opportunity to rant about the mm. government. It wasn't and finished, he, clearly. He, oh, I'm not a performing monkey, Ed. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you ch- yeah, like, it'd be great if we could... the outfit that makes up the art Steve Jobs. We'll have one of the bananas. You said something earlier about you wouldn't recommend if your daughter came to you uh, in about three years and said she wants to work in yeah I think well, they'll start so young won't they but I, 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 grew, I grew up in the hospitality business what, you said you wouldn't encourage us coming to I, industry I, 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 I just think it's not you know it's a horrible thing to say but I probably want better I, I mm. think because it, I know how hard it is and how long I work and and I just think, like, you know, maybe, maybe you know, we will see changes we're doing four-day weeks and stuff, but the industry's not like that. It will never be like that. Yeah, but think. Poppy's going to look at you. She's going to go, look at Dad. He's, he lives in Highgate. He, he's driving a, a, a BMW X90, is it? Or whatever it is. X-Tron, he's driving, you know. It's his latest iPhone. Yeah, exactly. It's the uh, signet rings and the gold diamond it's jewelry. It's like that. It's like, but I work hard for it. But I just the don't tax know. dodges. Do you know what I mean? Like, almost... You'd just I don't know like just want a bit more normal 
Like I enjoy what I do, I really enjoy it, but I wouldn't recommend. Like it, and it's it's a lifestyle, and it's a lifestyle that I subscribe to. But that's tough, isn't it? I mean, you love it yeah. and you enjoy it, but you wouldn't recommend it. I mean, that's quite. A I don't think it's damning. But I don't think it's for everybody. I think I don't think it's a job. You know, you'd have to. If Bobby came to me and said, "Dad, I really want to do it," you're great. But you know what she's in for. But I just, I wouldn't. But people are sitting on the fence going, don't know, should I go and work at Asda? Or should I go and work at hospitality? Don't know what I should do. Well, fuck, hospitality is not like, I don't know what I should do. It's a proper calling, in a way. It's a calling. Uh, uh, 100%. It's a absolutely. And I, yeah, I mean, you almost go, well, you don't really want that kind of person because if that's their weighing them, you, you want people bright, intelligent, yeah, people need, with a spark people, coming into you know. Um, but, but just moving around. Unfortunately, we've got Heath. You need to, but you need the choice. And the problem is we don't have the choice right now of picking those, you know, those long career people. But to place the market. said it before over here, though, it's, it's looked down upon. If you work oh, in hospitality, exactly. It, you know, the, the upper everyone class, looks down on yeah, you. The, you yeah, need a booster seat. Thing. But the, the upper class English people look at you like you are like a piece of shit because you, you're in the service industry, like you mm. haven't done well at school or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually enjoy what I do, but when I'm getting Did you do, do well at school? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. School's a different subject then. <laughs> like, you have to go first <laughs> to do well. I wasn't there a lot. <laughs> I wasn't, I got bored. Ball. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> So your customers are right, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Very intuitive. But that's like... <laughs> yeah, but it's true though. Like I suppose, you know what I mean? You've got to enjoy what you do. And if you don't, you don't get in hospitality because it's just a job. You get in it because you like being around hmm. people and you enjoy the sociability of it all and having fun. Yeah. You know I mean, that's what he was saying there. You have fun. Like we are a fun industry. But, you know what I mean? But it's I think there's, there's gradients within it though. I mean, you, you, you work your ass off and I don't often say that pay you a compliment but you work your ass off but you are very much embedded in it other people are less they're a remove but they treat it professionally and they work and so there are different ways of working yeah, but I within always the think, hospitality yeah, industry got, yeah true I suppose you could go and work for a big corporate train like the you don't something. have to be out every night like you uh, smashed off your face and staggering home and sticking the kebabs I'm working it it's oh sorry work. it's work R&D R&D look at it's a Monday afternoon we've had five pints of Guinness had some pies, <laughs> done a recording, go home and look after my daughter. Great. Oh, God. Fine. Yeah. So if she survives mm. to be old enough to work in the pub industry, Absolutely. then that's probably going to be the main thing. I think let's uh, let's maybe park that one there, but thanks, guys, um, for that insight. Uh, fascinating, as it always is. That is all for this week's episode of Lock-In. We will be back next week and tackling the trippy, tricky, even topic of review sites, that favourite subject of licensees like Heath. So expect lots of ranting. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Right, who wants another beer?